Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. We often think of the farm value of land as it's related to growing crops or livestock. However, there are other opportunities to increase gains from that land and perhaps not impact the other enterprises taking place there. Those opportunities can involve far more than hunting rights. And now, a new platform is helping connect landowners and the general public so both sides can get more revenue and enjoyment from the land. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside. Before we jump into this week's show, I wanted to highlight a couple of websites and social media channels where we're extending the message of the show. Many of you are familiar with AmericanCountryside.com. It's our daily show with stories done on location across America. I've recently noticed a lot of folks connecting to that show via Facebook and YouTube. If you've not done so, be sure to check out those social media platforms for the radio and TV versions of the show. And you might also want to check out TotaltownMakeover.com and the Total Town Makeover Facebook page. TotaltownMakeover.com is where we post stories about revitalizing rural and agricultural America. I hope you'll connect there for story ideas that you can put to use where you live. That's AmericanCountryside.com and TotaltownMakeover.com. I was intrigued by a relatively new platform called Land Trust that is working with landowners to get more value from their property by partnering with the general public to offer recreation opportunities they desire. The model is a bit like VRBO, only for ag real estate. Nick DeCastro, the founder and CEO of Land Trust, and Colton Dombrowski, head of customer and landowner success, joined me as we discussed not only what they do, but what they see in this emerging marketplace that holds promise for farmers and landowners. Nick, tell me about Land Trust. Some people perhaps have heard of it, but others may not. So, who is and what is Land Trust? Sure. So, uh, Land Trust is a company we're based out of Bozeman, Montana. Um, I started the company in 2019. Essentially, in a very simple way, we connect landowners with people who are looking for opportunity uh, for outdoor recreation on private land. So, a lot of people think, hey, it's like Airbnb, but for private land access for hunting, fishing, foraging, bird watching, whatever, you know all these different passions that people have in the outdoors. And uh, it's it's been something that we have made simple. This process has happened always, you know, as landowners, you all know you've gotten a lot of door, knocker, door knockers and, you know, people who want access to this amazing resource that you have. Um, we've tried to make that process much simpler for our landowners while keeping them in control. And uh, that kind of... Um, has has yielded uh, success. So our landowners have really enjoyed it. We've grown from zero to a million acres on the platform in a fairly short amount of time. And we're kind of moving. We're, we started obviously more in the rangeland side of things, um, but we're moving east into more row crop uh, states here. We'll talk about the platform and the land here in a moment, but I'm interested, what need did you see? How and why did you decide to start the company? Well, of course I started because I wanted to use it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, living in Bozeman, uh, as, as your listenership probably knows, uh, Montana has quite a bit of public land, um, which, is, which is awesome. But, uh, you know, I found myself looking around close to town because, you know, with the company and kids and all that stuff, I don't... I can't go on 10-day hunting trips. Uh, so I saw a bunch of beautiful farm and, and ranch land around town, and I said, I'd, lo- I'd love to have access to that for the day or, you know, the weekend or something. And I'd be happy to pay for the opportunity. I know that, you know, running, uh, you know, running an operation costs money and taxes and all the stuff that goes into it. I don't expect that for free. Um, and there's just no easy way to do it. You know, door knocking, uh, I don't know that that is an ideal situation for both the landowner or the person who's wanting to have access. And 
you know, I, had, I said there has to be a simpler way. I had been a host early on on the Airbnb platform, and I saw how simple and safe and how much trust they built into it. And so it just seemed like an obvious marketplace issue. And so I, I started it because I wanted to use it. Yeah. So how does the system differ from perhaps people that have already been selling hunting rights and so forth? Because those types of uh, companies and organizations have been there for a while. How does this differ from those types? Yeah, it's a good question. So traditionally, you know, if you looked at, let's call it private land access for recreation, there is a spectrum of things you could do. So at the very tip of the spear is buying land for it, which is very expensive, obviously. I, I can't afford to do that. Very few people can afford to buy land just for, for that purpose. Um, and then you move in a little bit more, and then there's leasing, traditional leasing. So um, certainly that's been around for a long time. Uh, what we've found throughout this process is the reason why landowners love what we do is it keeps them in full control. So when you lease, you're essentially selling a property right for X amount of time, usually a year, maybe a couple of years in a row. Um, <laughs> the nice part about that is you get a nice chunk of cash up front. You know, you deal with one person, and that could be a great relationship. But at the same time, in most cases, you as the landowner can't use it. Your friends and family can't use the resource. Your neighbors, your business partners, people that you might, you know, from the community who you might want to allow, you can't do that now. Um, and so that loss of control is something that we have seen why landowners like using us. Because just, you know, if any of your landowners are familiar with other marketplace platforms like VRBO, like Airbnb, you can block out dates and you say, okay, cool. My, my friends and family are coming the first week in November. We'll black it out. But then, you know, we'll open it up for other folks to be able to book stuff, uh, you know, at any other time. Or, hey, we like to hunt deer, but we got turkeys or we have pheasant or we've got fishing or these other resources that, you know, we're not so worried about. Yeah. So as you begin to develop this then, initially, was it more the hunting side of things? What did you maybe not expect would happen that people want to use land for? Because in my mind, it would be, okay, people want to go hunt. And I'm sure... There are plenty of people who want to go hunt, sure. but what else began to happen? Yep, so hunting is where we started. Uh, Colton uh, was my first employee. He obviously loves hunting and fishing like I do, but I, I told him specifically, hey, we're not building a hunting company. Uh, now, hunting is a great outdoor activity. Uh, it's you know high revenue activity, so our landowners can make significant money from it. Um, so it's a great first one to start with. But you know we've already been booking fishing trips. People have been booking it for foraging for food. Uh, one of the markets that we've been looking at and kind of had our eyes on is bird watching. Uh, and I know, like myself, a lot of our landowners say people would pay me to go bird watching. Uh, bird watching is a $40 billion with a B dollar industry uh, in the U.S. yearly. So it's much bigger than hunting, actually. Um, so, you know, RVs are in, on, in the future. People who just, you know, want to go out and park, a, park an RV in a beautiful place and not be in a crowded KOA campground and enjoy just kind of the outdoors. So there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different passionate user groups who the thing they love to do, they require land. And, you know, so we'll go and develop these as a business partner with our landowners. It's our job to go and develop these different verticals of demand and they can say yes or no to whatever they want. I have heard rumor that even movie companies have uh, used you for some set to location type stuff. Is that right? So uh, obviously being in Montana, uh, there is a show called Yellowstone and that has had a tremendous effect on Montana. Good or bad is up to the, up to the person you're talking to. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is not something I would have thought of, but we got introduced to the Montana film office and we're in the process of working with them. And they said, Hey, 50% of our job is trying to identify landowners who would allow us to come and, you know, shoot a commercial, shoot, you know, a film or something on. I said, well, we, 
you know, we facilitate private land access. So there are all these types of opportunities uh, that, you know, we as a platform can handle all that because look, our, our, you know, million plus acres is all production ag. These are owner operator, multi-generation farm ranch families. They have a very busy job doing commodity production and doing all the things that they do. We are the partner who makes all this other stuff simple. Our, you know, we're very service oriented. You talk to real human beings in Montana or in the state that you live in. Um, it's our job to go make this super simple and we're incentivized. Like we don't make money unless you get bookings for the things that you want bookings for. So, uh, you know, we're probably fairly rare in that. We don't come to the door asking you for money. We come to the door saying, hey, there's money out there if you guys want to make it. Um, and we make it really simple to enter this marketplace. Colton, I might jump over to you because you're out there working with a lot of farmers and ranchers. So tell me about how that conversation goes then. If I'm interested in this, what do I have to begin to do and identify and so forth? Is it similar to that VRBO experience where I just begin to take the pictures, show what I've got, or how does the process work? Yeah, so it, it can be similar to that. We design it uh, on the on the website. So, yeah, if you wanted to do it all on your own like that, you're more than welcome to. But one thing, you know, that's really big for us is, is the personal interaction and making it, you know, clear that we are a long-term partner for you. So that's where we have boots on the ground that will come out, visit with you, answer all your questions face-to-face, in person, uh, and then if you are interested, they'll just ask, ask you some questions, get all that information, send it back to, to one of our guys, Josh, who's actually here uh, this weekend, but send it back to him in the office and we'll build out the full draft listing for you, everything, and then just walk you through it in a 20-minute call, show you how to use it, and, and then set you off to the races. So a lot more you know, personalized experience to, to make sure you feel comfortable and that we're optimizing that that listing to meet you know the operation their goals i'm sure this would be hard to answer but is there a typical landowner that comes to you as far as the amount of acres or the type of acres or who is it that's coming to you normally yeah we we get a pretty wide spectrum of folks uh and i would say the the one thing is that they're they're open and a little bit eager to to look at some new revenue streams and and find a way to you know, maybe not look necessarily at their operation as as a cattle ranch or, you know, as a, a sorghum producer, but as someone who's in the land business, right? And and recognizing that, hey, there's some other resources here that are already at our disposal. We just might not be, you know, capitalizing on it yet. How do you work with those landowners then to determine how much we're going to charge? Is that yeah. something they determine or you determine or how to, because a lot of people wouldn't know what the market is for bird watching out there. So how do I determine that? Yeah. So that's another thing that goes back to, uh, our team of folks, landowner success managers being out there in person. And, and yeah, we'll give you recommendations based on kind of the data we've collected and what we've seen, uh, you know, in terms of transactions that have gone through the platform thus far. Uh, as well as new market kind of values, we'll do all the research on that side and say, hey, you know, here's a an expected range that, that we would recommend. But ultimately, landowners get to get to be in full control of that price. Like I said, we want to make sure they feel comfortable with what they're charging and, and feel like it's worth, you know, their time. So, 
Speaking of making people feel comfortable, what do you do with the landowners as far as how they have to accommodate people coming on their land? And then about insurance, because I'm sure people worried about, well, what if they get hurt or something happens during an experience? Right, definitely. So in terms of, uh, you know, accommodating folks, we design it for the most low-touch landowner possible, right? So we we do all the work on the, the front end to make sure, hey, Where do you want folks to park when they come out? What time can they get here? Where can they drive? Where can't they drive? We GPS map all that out to make sure that the the guest receives that after their booking is accepted. And and the landowner doesn't even need to talk to them, doesn't even need to see them. However, from that spectrum, we end up seeing a lot of landowners actually really enjoy the people that are coming out. And maybe, you know, after the first booking, they're they're saying, oh, yeah, sure, stop by, have a cup of coffee. And, and, you know, they're getting a little more involved in that that conversation once they see these are, you know, high-quality folks. And along with that is is the insurance aspect, and that's huge for us, right? Because, again, uh, as Nick has said, they're our partners, our long-term partners. And so we attack that on, on multiple different fronts, uh, with first and foremost being guests indemnify landowners, right? So signing up on the platform there agreeing to hold landowners harmless. On top of that, we have, uh, you know, your property protection policy for the landowner, your guest injury policy in case, you know, somebody steps in a gopher hole or something like that. Uh, And then from there, we have a, you know, a larger blanket policy, and we also work with some other partners in in state regulations to, to connect folks with further, you know, opportunities for more coverage if they feel that's something they might yeah. be interested yeah, in. And, and it's important to note, too, uh, obviously, we work primarily with producers. In 34, I believe it's 34 now, of the kind of primary ag-producing states, the states want to, and this is everything we're talking about is agritourism, right? Hunting, fishing, horseback, anything that happens on production agriculture ground that's kind of rec-related is agritourism. So the states want to in- incentivize this. They know that liability has been a big hiccup or roadblock for a lot of producers to do it. And so in these 34 states, they have all some variation of the same type of agritourism um, um, kind of liability limitation. So, you know, unless there's gross negligence or something like that, they're pro- the state is protecting landowners from any sort of, uh, you know, litigation or anything like that if something were to happen. So, you know, that, that also is kind of like at the top level. Then we have our own insurances and whatnot. Nick, so far we've talked about the landowner signing up for this, but the other key part of this is how did you get customers to come and find you? So talk about that side of the business. Number one, how and why were they finding you? And then who is looking to work with land trusts that actually is wanting to go out there and book these properties? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, today we do, it's still primarily hunt. You know, we are developing these other, you know, verticals of demand of types of customers, but, uh, you know, so... For the for the sportsman, it's much easier to reach sportsmen digitally. Uh, my career in the past was working in digital advertising, so uh, that that segment you can reach on Instagram and Facebook and Google and you know the different digital platforms. And so we have a pretty good team who works on that. Uh, you know, this is our job as your business partner. It's to build something that's really simple for you to use, and then find the customers and make sure that they're, you know, the right type of customers. And I'd like to say that we have a, I think 99% five-star rating from landowners to the people they've hosted. 
And if you've been around the hunting and landowner community, that probably hasn't existed before. Uh, but I think it's because, you know, platform marketplaces are really good at a couple of things. Transparency. So we ID verify every single person before they can make a booking. They're paying with credit cards. So we know, we know their true identity. They're paying with the credit card up, up front ahead of time. Um, both people rate each other, right? So just like these other platforms you guys may have used, Uber or Facebook, you know, or, um, Airbnb, VRBO, et cetera. So there's transparency. Um, you know, whereas historically someone could have knocked on your door, they might've knocked on your neighbor's door, done something bad. And then they come to your place. You have no idea who, you know, so th- there's a lot of that built in. So it's our job to find, um, you know, sportsmen who are and, and guests who are, are looking to pay for a quality experience. And I like to call out that this isn't like, you know, trophies or anything like that. It's not like I need a 200 inch white tailed deer. That's awesome if you have that resource and you know it's very valuable, so I don't need to tell you that. The people that we serve, we, we really see two types of trips. One we call a hunting vacation, which is, hey, I want to go with my friends or my family to a new place and just have some new experiences and create some memories, right? We've all probably done that. And, uh, you know, if they're successful, that's great. But really, when you read the reviews, they just rave about the meeting the landowners in this beautiful property and having it to themselves for a few days. Um, and then we have the local spot, what we call, so it's, you know, we use this a lot in town where it's, my wife gave me the morning to go hunting. So (laughs) I just want to have something to myself for a few hours and, you know, just enjoy that time to myself. And those usually just, you know, that's a, it's a local person. It's usually probably someone by themselves. Um, we see the, the hunting vacations can, for landowners can generate, you know, multiple thousands of dollars per booking. Um, and the local spots usually multiple hundred dollars per booking, but they're very low touch. Um, and so, you know, we, we've on both sides seen 90 plus percent five-star ratings. So we were able to match the right types of sportsmen and guests with the right types of landowners. Do you find comparing it to, you know, renting a, a vacation home or something like this, this could be more lucrative for landowners than, than if they had a, a vacation home in some cases? Uh, yeah. So, and that's the big, that's the big difference. What we're talking about is outdoor recreation. So these are passions. Lodging is a commodity. Um, there was, what, 50 other options we could have gone with, and, you know, we could have stayed in Airbnb or whatever. So, yes, you're always going to generate more income from your, if you have recreate, like land and resource there. Lodging is not required for land trust. Now, many of our landowners offer a spectrum of lodging from, hey, you can pop a tent up, you can pull an RV on, or, hey, we have a bunkhouse or cabin or full house. But it's not required. We have plenty of landowners who just say, we've got some great ground. You can have access to it. There's no lodging. So, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. We had a landowner in Nebraska in the Sandhills. His wife had been listing their cool Sears and Roebuck cabin on, on Airbnb. She was charging like $100 a night. We're talking very rural, right? Uh, he listed on Land Trust uh, mule deer hunting, and he had one booking. It was $15,000. So that's the difference between lodging and, you know, recreation. So one is a passion, one's a commodity. Um, you can make money from both, but there's people who are passionate about this. I don't know if you're a sportsman or not, but this is like their whole life. Like we sit there and think about it all the time. We spend money kind of silly on it. You know, hunting gear is very expensive. Um, so yeah, it, 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 there is a very big difference between those two and there's a lot more opportunity to potentially generate some pretty significant income from it. We've talked about the hunting and you've said that there's more opportunities out there. I'm curious, 
what are the biggest opportunities you see that are perhaps yet untapped that maybe landowners don't know about? Or maybe you're still surprised that, wow, we have this whole untapped market that there is a lot that we can still do in this area. Sure. I think, you know, fishing is an obvious one. You know, people who hunt usually fish. And so you have really good crossover there. Bird watching is something that we're we're, we have done some research. We've talked to some people who are experts in that. There is a huge market for it. We're still learning it because we're not, we're not bird watchers. Uh, we look at birds, you know, over the barrel of a gun. <laughs> it's a little bit different, but, uh, so, you know, there's that. And then we're having some really interesting conversations. Some new investors of ours, uh, are pretty into the RV space there. Uh, and I think that, I don't know if your audience has paid attention, but the RV space has exploded since, since COVID. A lot of people wanted to get outside and uh, national parks and, and state parks are all booked out and KOAs, all this stuff. There's like nowhere to take them. And so I believe that you pair, you know, that opportunity with the ability to, would you rather park next to 200 people or just, you know, put your RV on a beautiful piece of ground and have it to yourself for a couple of days. There's a lot more opportunity there, and that's a really low touch. You know, hunting is was a hard place to start. It's a very there's a lot of orchestration that goes into it. I think we've done a good job at making that very simple. But something like you know RVs is a pretty low touch, pretty simple, straightforward proposition for landowners. So I think there's real opportunity there. Colton, I want to go back over to you because you're working with a lot of landowners out there. Tell me about uh, one or two of the cool stories that you've been a part of, where you've seen people be able to perhaps use an untapped resource to be able to deliver to people that are just simply wanting an experience yeah i would have to say one of my favorites uh, is actually just outside of bozeman uh along the gallatin river we got introduced to some folks referred by one of our other landowners they said you better talk to talk to them and you know being in bozeman right on the edge of town they've seen that expansion that expansion and you know it's affected their operation he uh actually had to stop you know, running cheap because just people walking their dogs down his dirt road and the dog goes off. And, you know, the number of times he had sheep running through his fence, he said, this is it. And when we got there, he's, you know, you're atypical, just Sam Elliott, Montana rancher, wearing his chaps, big handlebar mustache. And he looks at me and he goes, Colton, I hate people. And I said, all right, all right. You got it. And meanwhile, his wife's all excited, you know, very bubbly, outgoing. But he said, I hate people. I don't want to deal with, with, with people. And I'm like, that's what we designed this for. And, you know, you see, okay, one trip goes well, second trip goes well. And I look at the reviews in the second trip and the, the sportsman's like, oh, yeah, Joe was awesome. He, he was showing us all, all around the place, you know, spent two hours with us. And I called him up. I said, Joe, what the heck, man? I thought you said you hated people. He goes, well, I don't hate good people. And so that's, you know, kind of that sums it up. And, and what's been so awesome for us is, you know, reconnecting the 99% of folks with the 1% who are, you know, busting their butt on the land and, and you know, really care. But, hey, helping them see as well, there's still some good folks out there. And, and being able to generate some revenue for, for somebody like that as well as just restore some faith in humanity. Dick, before we wind up, you mentioned row crop farmers. What opportunities are there out there for some of them? Because a lot of row crop farmers are listening to us now, and they may say, well, I don't know that I have a lot of great hunting and fishing, but what opportunities are you finding with their land? I would say that 
you probably have better resources than you think. One of the things I've learned by talking, Colton, I've talked to thousands of producers over the last couple of years. They usually are like, yeah, you know, our ground's okay. And then we, as people who didn't grow up there and whose families haven't lived there for five generations, we're like, holy cow, man, you have awesome resources. I would love to be able to have access to that. So I would just say that you probably have better resources than you think. And it does. it's not about the size. Like some of our properties that have generated the most income are not huge. They just have, you know, they, they have good resources. So food, water, shelter, you know, for, for, for wildlife. How do people find out more? Sure. So uh, very simple, landtrust.com. Um, so you can go there. Uh, we've got phone numbers there. You can text us. You can call us. Real live human beings will answer the phone and, and we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll, we'll answer any questions that you might have, Colton and his team. And then uh, if, if things seem good, we'll probably send somebody out there. You meet people. You know, so we're very service oriented. But yeah, landtrust.com, there'll be phone numbers there. There's a landowner's, uh, you know, landowner page that kind of explains everything here too. Nick and Colton, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside. And you can hear these shows in a variety of ways as well at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or your favorite podcast platform. If you miss one of our shows, just go back to catch many topics of interest as well. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside.